This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. All right, what up, Knicks fans? It is a hard Knicks life. The pain, the passion, the podcast. My name is Craig. Some people call me Axe. And on the other mic is Barry. Some people call him Killer B. Right? Do they? <laughs> I, I I don't know if they do. They don't say it they, to me. People have been calling you that for a long time. So you don't have to pretend it's a very dangerous sounding name. It's a tough name. I don't know if I earned that. Killer B. Killer B. That's what they call him. Huh. <laughs> Are you confused? Are you confused as to what is going on here? I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Listen to this fucking voicemail. Hey, uh, Craig and Barry. This is Brandon from Eastern Long Island. I just wanted to say, um, you know, this isn't really basketball related, but this is about the uh, the whole Barry being likable, uh, more likable or whatever. Barry being the favorite, whatever, however you uh, phrase it. Um, I just wanted to say I have some input on that. It could be um, because I mean, like Axe is a kind of a badass nickname, dude. That's like that's like a bad guy uh, from an '80s movie, you know. And uh, Barry's just you know just a likable guy, you know. So I was thinking maybe instead of Axe, you could go by something like Crumb Cake Craig. All right, Barry. So that fucking came in, and obviously, I'm not going by Crumb Cake Craig. That's right. to, like, soften up your image a little bit. Yeah, so I think you need to have an equally dangerous-sounding nickname. What up, Knicks fans? It's a hard Knicks life. My name is Craig, and on the other mic, Killer Barry. This is season <laughs> three. This is season three. And it is episode 11. This is Randy from Los Bergen. I'm Mark. I've been a Knicks fan for 24 years. Hey, Craig and Barry. This is Russell City Australia. I'm from D.C. Hey, guys. Steve this here. Manny from Stanford. I'm calling all the way from Palm Springs, California. It is a hard. It's a hard. It is a hard. Knicks. Knicks life. Knicks life. It's a hard Knicks life. Barrett. Double team. Finds Randall. Kicks it out. Portis. Portis the fake. Steps back. Three-pointer. Bang! First lead of the night. Randall kicks it out. Portis tries again. Puts it in. Bobby Portis does it again. That'll do it. They're going to let him dribble it out. A thrilling come from behind win led by Bobby Portis. And the Knicks get their first victory of the season. What is up, Barry motherfucking D? How about that, Bobby Portis? What is up, Craig? And yes, Bobby Portis came to show up against his former team, the Chicago Bulls, and he did just that and then some. Bobby motherfucking Portis, Barry. And, dude, how quickly has the perception of Bobby Portis changed because of one game? Isn't that crazy? I, I get, look, look, I was loving me some Bobby Portis last night, but my perception didn't really change. It hasn't? Because I've been getting tweets about he should be starting instead of Mitchell. That's because people are fucking morons, Craig. Dude, he literally, before that game, him, Morris, Randall, I mean, Randall had a great first game of the year, but beyond that, everyone's been bitching about our, you know, all of our power forwards that we signed and how they're not doing anything. 
I know. And then all of a sudden, one game. Listen, it was fucking amazing. Oh, he was just happy to have the win. Dude, he could have scored 50 points if he wanted to last night. Okay, he was in the zone. He he wanted. You know, a lot of times people want like that revenge game, and you know sometimes it works out for him. Sometimes it doesn't. He was on point. He thrived on it. But this game, I'm sorry, it was a little bit of an aberration. Dude, the more shots he hit, the more his eyes came out of his eye sockets. Right? (laughs) Yes. They Is were that bolting. accurate? Even, Did you see that photo of him with the ball like in the net? As yeah. I'm coughing, like I'm sounding like I'm dying, by the way, because a week after I was sick for the last podcast, I am still fucking sick. And I, I don't know what to do. I went to urgent care. Oh, really? It was that bad, huh? Dude, I felt like an idiot going because I go and um, like I'm feeling fine. It's just I'm coughing like I'm dying, but I feel perfect. And don't worry. Don't worry, guys. We're going to get back to the next game in just a second. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't even matter. But they, they like wanted to X-ray my chest. Oh, really? They yes. do that? I, I didn't. I've never had that done in my life. X-ray your chest? Don't they yeah. usually just stick like a, a like a wooden stick in the back of your throat to to get like some type of culture to see if They're I have strep? Chest? But they didn't think I had strep. But they listened to my breathing and thought I had. They were like, "You might have pneumonia." And I'm like, "I feel fine. All right. I just have this cough." And phlegm thing going and they, on. And, and they said, well, it was bad enough for you to come down here. Well, so she's like, we're going to give you an x-ray. And I don't trust doctors anywhere. I just feel like they're trying to run up the bill on you and your insurance. So I'm getting all nervous about that. Right. That's another big ticket, an x-ray. So I'm like, do I need an uh, I'm like, will insurance cover an x-ray? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me an x-ray. They tell me I have walking pneumonia. So I've got now an inhaler. I've got an antibiotic. Really? Okay. And then uh, I got a whole slew of shit. I'm trying to get better. If I cough or sneeze or sniffle, I don't want to fucking hear it. All right? Okay, no Barry? Because yes. the axe will destroy you. All right? <laughs> okay. Ooh. All right. So, dude, what a game. We finally got our first win of the year. Uh, yeah, and... I didn't I didn't think it was going to happen. I mean, going into the game, I didn't think it would happen. I'm not saying when we were down 18, even before the game started, I didn't really feel confident we were going to pull out a win. Dude, Why the, first, the way the first three games went, you started. I was starting to get nervous that we were going to be like zero and ten. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't have shocked me. It's funny because I, I feel like most Knicks fans are not realistic, and it doesn't even make sense because you've been beaten down the last twenty years, and yet you still think this team is better than it really is. But yeah, last night Bobby Portis played better than he really is. Last night he had like a top five career game of his last night, arguably the best in his career last night. But um. But that, I mean, that's not going to be day in and day out, Bobby Portis. That that game was great, especially the final three minutes where we went on that fifth. Ugh. Remember, we we like came back and tied the game, and then all of a sudden the Bulls went up by eight, ninety-eight, ninety, and then after that, we scored the last fifteen points of the game, which was insane. Yeah, and they yeah they scored nothing, and I mean yeah it was super exciting. Bobby Portis slapping fives to the fans, the Garden. As loud as you've heard it. We did have moments like that, by the way, last season. Right. We did. We did. We did, which is why the garden is great. And and I mean, we were coming down not on here because we, we haven't had a podcast, you know, since the season started, but uh right, we haven't had a podcast since the season started, right? No, we did night before. We, the night before. Like a week. So, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but there were some, you know, booze. Um, to Dennis Smith Jr., which we and, will get you know, into, and chance for Taco Fall, and you know, and all, oh. all that stuff. So to follow that up with the Garden getting behind this team, I think that the the players needed that. They need to experience what the Garden 
is really all about and what it can be like. And hopefully it's enough to propel them and they go on a little run here because they are playing some beatable teams, you know, coming up. Yeah, like you said, I mean, that Boston game with the Taco Fall shit was pissing me off. And the, and the booing of Dennis Smith Jr. pissed me off. Yeah. All right, and that was before we knew. I still don't really know the whole story with his stepmom. Right, was she sick for a while or was it sudden? I don't know. Yeah, you know, I didn't hear the details of it either. I don't think they've released any details, but... But nonetheless, I mean... I mean, before you even knew all of that and Dennis Smith Jr. was struggling like he has been, just seeing him out there, dude, you can tell that he was lost. And it's not... That's not who he is as a player. He was never like that last season. Something... No, he walks around... Something is wrong. Yeah, he walks around, you know, like he owns the place, you know, normally. He's got all that confidence in the world. You know, so for Knicks fans to boo him after these very limited minutes over three games with him clearly like I'm talking like Chuck Knobloch struggling like he can't. Th- Every time he shot, it reminded me of Chuck Knobloch trying to throw the ball to first base. Uh, Remember he had that issue? Yeah. And it would just get worse and worse because yeah. the, the more stuff like that happens, the more you're playing poorly, the more you get into your own head and it, and it just, you know, amplifies it. But but the fact that it's the home opener, it's the first game of the season at the garden and that's what you do the first game it was fucking bullshit and it's it was, not even I like was... you sat through a season of this or like weeks of this you know the guy is struggling he's trying to get back there you know that he's disappointed in himself he wears it you know on his face but it's horrible and i'm a huge frank fan but it pissed me off when everyone was booing dsj and chanting for frank no. nobody would ever fucking boo frank and he's definitely had his struggles it really, it really bothered me. And then the taco fall stuff at the end of that game, like you said, dude. What, what is wrong with what was wrong with the Knicks fans that night? Well, or look, was it just a ton of Boston fans? Because we know there's always a lot of Boston fans in the crowd. I heard, I heard from some people that were at the game that there were a ton of Boston fans, and it was mainly them that were chanting. That's possible. Knicks fans are going to get quiet. You're down by 20 points, you know, throughout that whole second half. You know, so that's very possible. And then you know, other times, and you, you know. It's, a fan, you kind of just check out because it's like, all right, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here till the end of the game. But what am I really watching? So at least you get to see this. Uh, <laughs> you get to see Taco come in the game a little bit. Let's get back to the Bulls game. All right. So yep. What did you love about the, the finish to that game? I I really love like Randall's been struggling since the first game. I think every game is just turnover after turnover. He's just plowing into the lane trying to get his shot up, but seems to always lose the ball. In that game, it seems like a switch, uh, something switched in him towards the end of that game. And it's, he was getting to the lane, but instead of just forcing up a shot, he was finally finding his teammates. And I feel like that was when that whole game changed. Oh, that's huge. I mean, he ended up with, what, five assists last night. That's what we need from him. We need from him to do that every game because, yeah, he is a force in the middle. That spin move of his is great. I mean, we see it. It, it's so quick and he's so strong, he's able to get around that defender. But yeah, unfortunately for him up to this point, yeah, he's been losing the ball or his shot's been off. So if he can do that or at least get himself in position where he's going to draw off those defenders and just find the open man. And the other thing that was great about the Bulls game when that would happen is the Knicks were making the extra pass, the extra pass. Even Bobby Portis in the middle of when he was on fire. 
There was a couple times he made an extra pass where he had a decent look, but Knox had a better look, and he dished it to him. That's what we need from this team. We need more passing. Um, and we saw a lot of ball movement against Chicago. I want to continue seeing that. And we saw a lot of intensity on the defensive end. Yeah, they and, and Chicago for most of that game. Barry, how, I was so jealous of the way they were moving the ball, uh, their defensive intensity. Oh, my God. They were all over the Knicks from the get-go. Those, those first three quarters, really, they were putting on so much pressure against the Knicks. You're absolutely right. And you're like, what is this This team? This team is a defensive powerhouse. Yeah, I was like, what is this coach telling his players right? that's making them swarm the court after all of our guys like they are? They were double teaming everybody on the Knicks. Wherever the ball was, it seems like two guys came. Two guys them. were there instantly. And, yet, and then when the Knicks got rid of the ball, they would recover so quickly and get back and reset their defense. But then again, another guy would come over. Very impressive, actually, from Chicago. Yeah, but but I mean that fourth quarter was incredible. Knox looked great again. His shot was falling. His shot looked so confident out there. Yeah, he puts and those threes up. It last year you knew it wasn't going in. This year feels like every single one is going in. Yep, and I know he's not getting, you know, he's getting like a third of the minutes so far that he was last year. Um, and so and and last year. You know, he was so focused on just getting his own shot and getting to the basket. He's really letting the game come to him more. He's doing a little bit of everything. Um, I'll yeah, tell you I what. Mean, he's I'll... been a complete player. He, he's a great player to have on your team. Like, he, this, he's the type of role player that you want on your team. I'll tell you what. I don't know what, what your feelings are on this, but Morris the past few games has not been impressing me at all. He seems... He's very quiet out there, and I don't know. As the games go on, I'm wondering how long it's going to take before everyone starts wanting to see Knox getting that starting nod over Morris. Because since the first game, Morris had a great game against the Spurs, but since then, he has not done much of anything, Barry. He's shot 3 of 9 against the Celtics, 3 of 9 against Brooklyn, 4 of 13 against the Bulls. Meanwhile, Knox is coming in and knocking everything down. You're completely right, and and if everybody else continues passing the ball, like Randall's been passing more, and and we've seen Portis do it, and and RJ, you know, is unselfish. If all these other guys are unselfish, but meanwhile Marcus Morris, every time he touches the ball, is either gonna you know shoot a three or take a turnaround mid range jumper. Yeah, the fans are gonna get tired of him pretty quick too. You know, they gotta move the ball around. They gotta wait for the best shot, not settle. You know, you got 24 seconds on the clock there. It's, it's, it's an eternity. The shot's going to come. As long as you move the ball, you try to create something, you reset your offense if it doesn't work the first go-around. Dude, let's talk about fucking the new king of New York here. RJ. RJ oh Barrett, God. who's doing things that... He's doing things that no rookie has ever done out there. I, I saw a stat from Tommy Beer where he's the first rookie to ever score 80 points... And grab 30 rebounds in his first four games. There's a bunch of awesome stats like that. Did you know? Oh, here we go. <laughs> true stats. True stats. This is the return of true stat, Barry. <laughs> the true stat, Barry. Said it. First rookie within his first five career games. Look at you looking up at your fucking whiteboard. I Barry, by notes. the way, before we started, was standing up. I just had a view of his crotch. And... <laughs> 
I just hear something slamming around. I'm like, what are you doing? And he was I wanted to the write this shit right, down. So, what, I, I, so this is a column on your whiteboard, true stats. Yes. First rookie within his first five career games to get 15 points, 15 rebounds, five assists since Bill Walton in 1974. Hold on. First get 15, 15, 15 points, 15 rebounds, and five assists within their first five career games as a rookie. Oh, you know, first okay. five career games. That's a good one. Because I one. saw, I thought you had it wrong because I saw that same stat, but not within the first five, that he was the first Nick rookie to get that since like Bill Cartwright. Right. He's also like the first 19-year-old or the only 19-year-old along with LeBron to get like 19 points. And... Or to average nineteen, I don't know. Right. There, no, some no, stat it was. I think in their first in their first game, was as a rookie. One? No, as a rookie to grab like nineteen, to get nineteen points, and I don't fucking know. Whatever. I don't fucking. R.J. Barrett is what a fucking blessing for us to get the third. I mean, John Morant's pretty fucking good. But wait, 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 I mean, wait. Before we before we move on from, from there's I'm one more stat. On. There's one more stat though What's with R.J. because we're talking about his stat. 15 rebounds. What does that number represent? I, thought, I don't know. What? Just KP oh, I know. has All never right. had more than 15 rebounds. No, that in a game. matched. Right. That it matched, matched his career KP's high. His career high. And it's only his fourth game, RJ. How you like that? And RJ is not seven foot four or seven RJ's three. not. Whatever it fucking is. wasn't skin and bones for the first three years of his career. Right. But but he 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 does not he's not playing like a rookie. He's smart. He is patient. He has many facets of this game covered. Dude, there is nobody I trust more at the end of these games is that than a fucking nineteen year old rookie. I I feel the same way. Unless he's, he's so at the unless he's the at the free throw line. That's the only well time yes. where I really get nervous. Oof. He's got to he's got to get those numbers up because you're getting to the line a lot. So I mean, you you can't miss those opportunities. But but I mean, that's the only thing to complain about. I mean, his defense has been decent as well. So for the only thing to complain about is free throws. I'll take it. But but yeah, I mean, come on. At least he knows what he's got to work on. And he will. He's a fucking guy beast, is. dude. Nineteen points, fifteen boards, five assists, every single game. He hasn't had one bad game. 19 years old. Would you rather have John... Seeing John ja Moran, I know you've liked what you've seen from Ja. Oh, yeah. Would you rather have Ja right now because of our point guard oh. struggles? Or do you love well, RJ? I love that's a RJ. Hard choice, right? that, that's a really hard choice. I mean, Ja's been amazing. It's it's hard to say. Um, I mean, it's going to be... I think it's going to be really close between the two of them for Rookie of the Year. Um, I think RJ's going to get it. I do. Because if he's doing this, and I, I know it's only four games, but I honestly believe he's only going to get better. I really do. And if he's doing this now, you know, the sky's the limit. I mean, who knows what this kid's going to end up averaging and, and this and that. I mean, I wonder if the minutes are going to stay this high, though. He's averaging crazy amount of minutes. Again, he played like 40 minutes <laughs> against Chicago. Listen, I'm just praying that he's a LeBron James-type athletic freak with the minutes. All right, it seems like Fizz oh, where, doesn't where want doesn't to take him, him off the court. Yeah, some of the – we've never really had a player like that. We've never really let a player play these kinds of minutes. And there's really been no reason to have them play these kinds of minutes. The thing is, when you're this good and you're by far 
this much better than anyone else on the team, it's hard for the coach to take you off the floor. He's having that much of an impact. That's why LeBron James plays all those minutes. Not just because he can. He doesn't really do that anymore. But remember, he used to play 39 to 40 minutes a game. All the best players play a ton of minutes because you have to. I excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how Fizz is going to take him off the court and give him more rest because he makes that much of a difference. You just have to. You can't just do it in anticipation of him breaking down at some point. Maybe he can play like this. It is crazy though. Like at Duke, he just came from college, and those games are fucking forty minutes in total. Yeah, and you're not playing eighty-two games a season. He's essentially playing a full game. Yeah, is he going to break down at some point this year and just start getting tired? That's what people think is going to happen if Fizz isn't careful. But I don't care. I mean, he's head and shoulders better than anyone else on the team. Uh, and and you love the way he carries himself. I mean, like we see, you know, if it's a go-ahead shot or the Knicks are on a run and there's great play, you see the intensity in his face. You love seeing him cheer. He, You know, he himself was raising his arms up, getting people involved at the Garden. But, like, when they were down, like, 12 points and he hit a great shot, he didn't overreact. He didn't get too excited because he knew, look, we're still losing. You know, we're still down by 10. When he had the N1s, he was cool, calm, and collected. I love this kid. I I love this kid. The way he attacks the basket and how many times during the game. There was one game where, I don't remember which one it was, but twice down the court, he tried to slam it down with like a windmill left-handed dunk. And he got denied. But he is not afraid of trying that over and over. There's no fear in him. No, and how many times have we seen him finish with his right already? I love right? I love that kind of player, dude. He oh the fact I that love he's the kind of player who is not backing down and is not afraid to fail. He's not afraid to fail. He has gone inside the paint time after time after time against these bigger guys, tried to slam it down, you know, just or just gets an and one. And he's doing all that because he's not afraid to fail. He's not afraid of being, you know, stuffed at the rim. Right. He's not going to back down. A lot of these players don't want to get posterized and all that bullshit. He's not afraid you, of that. Right. But you don't. But I mean, I feel like Knox wasn't afraid of that last year either. But you felt like, slow down, Knox. You're doing it too much. Right. RJ's not taking advantage of that fact. You know, he's not being too selfish. He's not, you know, he, he's not putting up too many shots. He's not keeping it all for himself. He's really been amazing. He's really been smart. You know, it's it's a, it's 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 a breath of fresh air to see a rookie like this in a Knicks uniform. And he he dresses amazingly. Does he? Did you see him in that suit heading into the the last game? Oh, you got to pull know that if up. I did. Yeah. I don't did know you not see Mitchell Robinson coming in in his own in his jersey? own jersey? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> At first, I saw that photo. I was like, oh, I, I want that jersey, and then it hit me. He's in his own fucking jersey. <laughs> I tweeted out my favorite players. Favorite player is my favorite player. And it took me like 10 minutes to just make sure that that made sense. I still don't know. Does that (laughs) make sense? No. Yes, it did. I think it was too many. No, my favorite player is Mitchell Robinson. Go ahead. His favorite player is Mitchell Robinson. My favorite player's favorite player is my favorite favorite player. player. Mitchell Robinson's favorite player, Mitchell Robinson, is my favorite player, Mitchell Robinson. Yep. Okay, it makes sense. It was hard. It was difficult. He's got to stay out of foul trouble, though. He hasn't felt comfortable to me. Like, how but come? He's doing like, a bit. See... He's, but he's been really, Dude. he's been really good when it gets Craig, down to it, Barry. Craig, why is it like we see sometimes 
you know, either like in, in replays when they slow it up or in still pictures, how high he gets when he goes to block a shot. I mean, he gets amazingly high. He must he must be able to reach like 20 feet in the air, it seems like, at some points. How is it that there's so many times that he jumps up to dunk the ball and he falls so short? Like his, like he like tries to throw the ball in the rim because he can't reach it. I don't understand, knowing how athletic he is and knowing how high he can jump, that that's already happened so many times this season. Those he should be making those shots ninety five percent of the time. You know, I've noticed that too. He it seems like he's really he really goes after the blocks, but when he's trying to dunk the ball, it's so far it seems this season it's I way think, more casual. I think a big part of that, and obviously this is going to come with experience the more he's out there, but I think it's just knowing where you are underneath the basket and like knowing where you are inside the paint, knowing how far you are from the basket. And that's going to come with, you know, the more time he spends out there and, and, you know, just learning the lines of the paint. When you turn around, you're not facing the basket. Maybe you're not looking up to know exactly where you are. It's got to be the experience. I honestly think he's, I honestly think he's trying to, I don't know how to say it, kind of pace himself, not just slam it down his heart, jump as high as he can, throw it down as hard as he can every time, because all he does is dunk. So he's trying to, just slam it down quickly in a in an efficient manner. <laughs> well, that's know? fine. I don't Where care he really how he does, does it. No, but I think that's why you're seeing him dunk the ball and it's just going off the front of the rim or it's just really sloppy, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I just want the two points. I don't care how you're giving them to me. No, but he if he can get these fouls under control, and he was able to do that towards the end of last season, so I have confidence he can. And you can tell when he's getting called for these fouls how pissed off he's getting. So it's in, it's on the top of his mind. I mean, in three games, he played 17, 18, and 20 minutes, all because of foul trouble. And if not for that foul trouble, dude, he's putting up huge numbers, but he's not getting enough minutes. So he's going to want to fix that. Yeah, for sure. What do you think about some of the backlash from some current NBA players about how the Knicks fans treated DSJ in that first home game? Did you read any of that? Um, No. I mean, I, I saw Knicks fans... Um, you know, and it was a little bit of back and forth and we saw viewpoints from both sides. Well, you know, they're making millions of dollars. They not, they need to learn to expect it. And I'm, you know, I'm going there to watch my team. If they're not performing for me, I have the right to boo them. And then you saw them being defended, you know, saying, look, this is, it's in their home court. They got to feel safe here. You got to cheer for them here. You know, where's the benefit of booing the players? But I, I don't No, I didn't see to answer your question. I did not see. Isaiah Thomas tweeted something out about negative, a little towards Fizdale, about how do you something like how do you expect anyone to thrive playing those kinds of minutes? Because DSJ was getting ten minutes, eleven minutes, ten minutes, and that he's not being put out, put in a position to succeed, but being put in a more in a position to fail. And I really did think a lot about that. You know, why is Fizdale, is it a good idea to be putting DSJ out there for these short stretches, knowing, knowing that he is all fucked up in the head right now? Out of all the times to, to just play Frank and protect Dennis Smith Jr., that was the time, right? Right. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing. And, you know... I don't know if anybody knows the answer to this because I'm sure there. You know, you ask you ask a hundred coaches, fifty coaches are going to say it's the beginning of the season. He's got to play through it. Yeah, but can He's you play get through the other it? Side. Playing and, and the ten other 50%, minutes a game. Well, you're you're right. 
You're right, but but the other thing, okay, there's gotta is gonna come to a point where, okay, am I doing? You're right. It's a tough question because am I doing? Am I being detrimental to his play by you know him just you know throwing up brick after brick and um, and yeah and consequently taking criticism from the fans literally right in front of you, your own home fans coming down to you. It's it's a tough call. Personally, yeah, I would I would sit him. I would let him reflect. You know, play through it in your own head from the bench. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, obviously, unfortunately, it came with, you know, horrible circumstances with the passing of his stepmother. Awful. Um, but he's going to be away from the game for a little bit. Um, you know, I don't know when he's going to return. Um, but he'll have, you know, kind of a fresh start when he comes back. Um and, you know, it, it's going to be very telling how he bounces back from something like that. Yeah, I mean, I was so sorry to hear what happened with his stepmom. And I felt really bad for him because oh, it was to a, have that happen and time to, of year for him. to have to go home and not be able to solve whatever the fuck is going on with you on the court and go home and deal with all that stuff and have to delay. I'm sure basketball is the last thing he's thinking about right now. But to have to put that on the back burner... When I was, I want him to figure it out. I know a lot of people wanted to just bench him, but I was, I, I just wanted to figure out as fast as possible for his own mental well-being. Sure. And now he's got to put it all on the back burner for who knows how long. Is Frank going to play well? Is he going to? Is DSJ going to sort of lose his spot? Probably not, given the injury to Peyton now. Right, right. Well, how before the injury to Peyton? How about like all the the Alfred hate, kind of diminishing, right? There was so much Alfred hate, Alfred hate at the beginning. Like, why did we bring this guy over here? You know, between Frank and DSJ, you know, they they each have their own issues. But 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 Alfred is the last thing we need. That's that kind of diminished after you saw kind of what he could bring to the team, which basically is competency, right? Uh, but you know, I think all, that's what, all these all these things diminish when anybody shows you anything. It's just Knicks fans are we're all fucking impatient. Let's admit it. Extremely impatient. Like but, one, but, I mean, one, I get game, it. one decent game from Peyton, everyone's like, oh, he's great. Right. <laughs> and right. then, but, you know, has he been great since that game? I don't know. Well, not great, but that's the whole thing. And, and I understand that's why there was so much hate. That's why the haters were out there. And that's that's what they felt. They, they felt, look, with Alfred Peyton, we know what we're getting. Right? He's probably not going to be any more than he is right now. He is what he is at this moment. Yet with DSJ and Frank, we're hoping that you know, they haven't reached their potential. They're still developing. They're still growing. We hope they can be better than him. They can surpass him. So I get that. But maybe they won't. And at least with Alfred, you've got a guy that's a, a good defender, a guy that can set up his teammates, and a guy that, that, like I said, is competent. And I feel you have the same thing with Frank. You know, so with Frank and with Alfred, you got two guys that are going to be giving you a hell of a lot in the defensive end. They're not going to hurt you that much on the offensive end if you've got people around them that can score like RJ. You know, and I'm confident Randall's game is going to come around. You know, and the thing with them, obviously they're going to have horrible shooting nights sometimes, but they're not going to put up 12 shots a game. You know, they're maybe going to put up six shots a game. So is it really hurting you that much? I don't think it is. And at least you got somebody on the court at all times, if you got Peyton or Frank, that's going to be able to give you good defense. And would we you, have enough... Go ahead. What did you think of Frank's game against Chicago? He was 0 for 6. We all know he did nothing 
offensively. The garden crowd wanted him I to know. nail any of those threes in the fourth quarter. A couple of wide open ones, yeah. And they were they were they were on target, just short a little short. Well, you know. Yeah. yeah. But Fizdale, which I was actually like shocked by Fizdale's quote about it. He was asking the presser, you know, what he thought of Frank's minutes that night, even though he was 0 for 6 for the game. 0 for 6, 2 assists, 3 turnovers. Not much there. But defensively, actually overall, Vizdale just said Frank was fantastic. Yeah. Hey, if he's seeing that now, you know. Fizdale has always appreciated Frank's defense. Problem for Fizdale is that's really not enough for him. Dude, his defense was awesome. And then the fact that you come out of the first half and on, you know, the the, the first time that they're bringing up the ball out, of, out in the third quarter and he ends up creating an eight-second call violation to turn the ball over, I mean, that was awesome. I mean, who's doing that for you besides Nilakina? Listen, I mean, in that fourth quarter, I thought they were at their best when RJ was running the point and Frank was in there at the two. To help guard. Did you notice that that sort of was when everything was clicking really yeah. well? Yeah. Frank wasn't even bothering handling the ball. No. He was just there to play fucking defense, Barry. Yeah. And, and to help RJ a little at the point, but it was really RJ. It was Randall. You know, you have these guys that can all sort of direct the play. Right. And again, look. Um, you know, we're talking about Knox being a great role player. We're talking about RJ being super solid, super smart, all facets. Um, we're talking about Frank or Alfred holding their own on defense. This is all great things to have, all great pieces to have. We know that it's not going to make you a great team or an elite team because in the NBA, you need a superstar on your team to be one of those teams, and the Knicks just don't have it. Julius Randle's never going to be that. But at least RJ, we RJ these... fucking is right now, Barry. Well, no, he's not. He's <laughs> not. He's he's great, and and, and you want to put it into perspective, <clears throat> to perspective of his age and 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 the fact that he's a rookie. He is great, but no, he's not an elite I, I player yet. A superstar player, I know, but he might be. You can't discount that the way he's playing now. He may turn into that. Of course, he can. Um, but the fact of the matter is, with all those things, at least you have a team that has showed that they can be. Um, in contention every game. They could be in the game. I mean, they, they've already had comebacks in three out of the four games they've played. So we know that they could be competitive. You know, they're still nowhere. They, they, I don't think they're going to be sniffing the playoffs, okay? But at least we see they can play. And they've got the certain pieces. And again, like the one thing that'll be missing is a superstar. I'm not going to harp on it now because, you know, this isn't the time to do that. <laughs> this isn't the season to do that. You know, one of the things, Barry, that makes me nervous about two of the two of the three games that we had big comebacks against. And yeah, yeah, San Antonio. That we and needed. We basically needed. I'm talking even more just Brooklyn and the Bulls. Yeah, we basically needed someone to be playing out of their mind. All right, against right. the Bulls, it was Portis, right, playing insane. Against the Brooklyn, it was Trier. Who, who led us back. It wasn't it wasn't necessarily that the team started to just get better all altogether. Or oh, was yeah. it if, just if Bobby one Portis, guy caught five? If if Bobby Portis wasn't playing, you know, like he was, the Knicks would have lost that game. Right. And if Trier doesn't go 
six of seven from the field, three of four from three in that second half of the Nets game. Yeah. I mean, he scored 22 points in 23 minutes. Portis had 28 in 30 against the Bulls. Right, and and, and it, it it reminds me of the fact that we talk about like how Fizdale is going to manage this because yeah, you have a performance like that from Cheer, and then he doesn't see a minute in the Bulls game. You yeah, know? we got to we got to essentially talk, we got to talk about Fizdale. Right, Fizdale coming up. Has Fizdale been? Would you say Fizdale's been crummy or not crummy so far? Hold your thought on that. <laughs> All right. Now, Barry, would you like to read the lovely ad from our sponsor? I don't have it in front of me, uh, so you if you have it in front of you, week. You, right. can, you can go for it. I'll chime in, though, because I'm a big fan. All right, guys. And, and Ron, it's a hard... you, you know what, Craig? Give, give, him the, give him the promo code up front. All right, guys. Crumb Cakes. You love them. We love them. The promo code for Clarkson Avenue Crumb Cake Company, Hardnick's Life. All right? One and word. Ha- and, and, and tell them how much they get percentage on. 23% off. So you're Why 23%? For Mitchell Robinson. Why can't it be Taj Gibson, Craig? When is it going to be Taj Gibson's day? When am I going to get 67? 67% off? We can talk to them about that. Right? These guys are huge Knicks fans. They love crumb cakes and they love no. the Knicks. Yes. And they're on to some exciting things. Crumb cakes don't sound that exciting, but they're pretty exciting. It's a hard Knicks life. But for this ad, we like to say it's a crummy Knicks life. Using a family recipe born in 1950s Brooklyn, New York, and perfected on the east end of Long Island, Clarkson Avenue Crumb Cake Company promises to deliver you the finest and most delicious crumb cakes on the market, Barry. Oh, I know about it. <laughs> With flavors like classic crumb, blackout, salted caramel, and Brooklyn Joe, your taste buds will thank you. By the way, they should rename that, like, Brooklyn Socks, I think. <laughs> we should pitch that to them, Right. Would right. you not buy a case of the Brooklyn Sucks crumb cake? I would. <laughs> I think that's kind of, I don't know if that's helping or the brand. Or the crazy Kyrie. The crazy Kyrie. That could be good. Oh, that could and be good. Just, you throw like a bunch of different flavors in there. All kinds of random shit. And the cake is just flat. Like right. the earth. <laughs> right. All right. Shave the crumbs off so they're totally flat. All right, your taste buds will thank you, and they are available online in two sizes, the classic 8x8 size cakes or their world-famous crumbkins, which are essentially crumb cakes in mini-muffin form. So take a trip, Barry, down Clarkson Avenue and crumb get some, all right? Yep. Promo and, code, and guys, hard next life. Don't, it's, go don't on, even, they don't have a fucking store. You go online, you order it just like you're ordering anything else. And you don't have to order it for yourself. You got somebody's birthday, somebody's get well. Dude, I stopped doing okay. like the whole edible arrangements thing. I do Clarkson crumb. Send them some crumb cakes. It's easy. I thought you were about it's, to start, it's say that inexpensive. you stopped eating edibles and are now eating <laughs> edible crumb cakes. Yeah. How many edibles did you have before this podcast? I don't. I don't do edibles, Craig. Okay. Can't trust them. All right, Barry. Is Fizdale a crummy coach? Is he the right guy to lead this team? We've got a. We've got a Twitter question. All right, I'm going to read it to you. Okay. Did the game last night, that's the game against the Bulls, restore a little faith in Fizz for you guys? More offensive sets, some offense, defensive subs late in the game, putting Frank on Levine, all made me feel better about it. I saw it as he was doing the little things instead of trying to reinvent the wheel. And a lot of people have been asking before this win against the Bulls, dude, is Fizz the right guy? He's not playing Frank. He's playing DSJ when he's not right. He's got... It's the same bullshit as last season with 
players in and out of the lineups, the players during the preseason unhappy with their minutes distribution. You know, a lot of questions about Fizz. Is he the right guy to coach this team? Do you know that answer yet, Barry? I don't know the answer yet, Craig. Because, yes, has, has he made some what appears to be atrocious coaching decisions and just stuff that you're scratching your head, it doesn't make sense? And, yes, he did look better in the Chicago game. But of course you do. You, you won the game. But no, you, you like what he did. He kept the bench small. He rode the hot hands. Um, and he and like the, the caller, or the, the, was that on Twitter? That Yeah, yeah. That just wrote that. What he wrote, yeah. That, that, that he did the, the smart, sensible things. Yes, but you got to remember, is there any coach that you can put these players in front of and he's going to make them a winning team? I mean, we... We don't have a great team. We just don't. We've got things we can be happy about, like RJ. We got things, you know, like that. We 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 can we can we can be happy about the fact that you know we're a step ahead. It seems from last year, we got a little bit more talent. But I don't think any coach can really do anything with this team. So I can't lay it all on Fizz. Yes, I could be angry and and disagree with certain things he's doing. But I don't think another coach is going to end up with much better results. Well, I mean, they might not end up with better results, but would they be able to develop this team better than Fizz is doing? Well, that's does it not thing. drive you. Does it not out. drive you crazy the, the rotations and the, the inconsistency in who plays and who doesn't, and the lack of the ability to just settle on a point guard after over a year now? I know yeah, but, we but don't can, have any good point guards. Can we get through a dozen games first? I mean, there's stuff that happened. There's stuff that came up. Where he was forced to, to maybe do di- different rotations or come up with a different starting lineup than he would have liked, like in those first couple of games. So can we give him a dozen games, let things settle a little bit, let me and evaluate? Do teams, do other teams don't have this problem. We don't have that many great players. Where every game, you know, certain players are in the rotation, some aren't. Teams have set rotations. Our players just. There's nobody really that stands out from anyone else. Why is it like this? Why do we feel the need to constantly be having like an 11, 12-man essentially rotation where there's always a game here and there where certain guys who got big minutes in the last game, like Wayne Ellington had that huge game in against Brooklyn. Was it against Brooklyn? Yeah. Yeah, he hit those two big threes against Brooklyn. And then, but the following game, remember he, against the Celtics, he didn't even play. Right. It's just that happens so often with Fizdale, and it really does like bug me. Trier is on fire one game, then the next game he doesn't do much of anything, and then the game after that he doesn't play. Right? Yeah. Right? Against Boston, Trier played 21 minutes, had two points. That was following his 22-point performance against Brooklyn. And then so the third game after that, he doesn't play. I mean, how is anybody... Can you develop players like that? There's not much of a leash there. You're talking about a young kid scores 22 points. The next game, he's a bad game. The one after that, he doesn't even fucking get to play. Yeah. That frustrates me. Do you, you feel know, me? It, Yeah, I do. And it, and it makes you, you know, part of Trier's situation, I feel like, is he's been thrust into a couple of different positions, um, you know, when he's been playing. But that's what makes it so amazing when I think back to RJ is I feel like... You know, you ever have like a crush on somebody and you just can't get them out of your head? 
That's what I feel like with RJ because I keep wanting to go back to him. But it's like RJ, you you can do whatever you want with him. You could put him in whatever position you want, whether it's at the two or you want him to run the team at the one, and he has no problem with it. It doesn't affect his game, right? He's still ultra productive, still making a difference, you know. Um, yeah, maybe that's the problem that some of these other guys are just thrown into a different lineup. The thing is, RJ's out there all the time, so he has like no other choice. But other guys, they're being pulled out, they're being put in. You're right, though, Barry. You bring up a great point. Maybe it is that some of these other guys are just so one-dimensional. Where Trier, if you're not scoring the ball, you're not really doing anything else. At least Barry is out there feeding guys, rebounding, getting steals. And a lot of the guys who get to play big minutes right now, Randall, Barrett, Morris, Robinson, Peyton, these guys all do multiple things out there. There is a spot for Trier somewhere on this team, you know, but yeah, I feel like, yeah, sometimes there's certain games where it's like, you know, he's just on, he wants the ball, he wants to drive, he wants to shoot. And then there's other games where it's like he can't get rid of the ball fast enough. He's like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna pigeonhole me as Isozo. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna distribute to other people. He's gotta just find that balance and kind of, you know, take his opportunities when they come to him. It's great though to see his energy, like off the bench as soon as they go into a timeout and they have a big run. He's the first guy off the bench, you know, yelling, cheering, slapping guys five, and I mean, you could totally see, like, you would think the guy of his makeup as far as you know, Isozo and, you know, the big games that he's had. And then the fact that he doesn't even get a minute to play, you could see a guy like that almost like sulking or being pissed off. He doesn't show it. You know, I don't know what he shows behind the scenes, but at least, you know, when you see the cameras on him coming out of the timeouts, he, he's the first guy. He's the biggest cheerleader, which is which is great to see. Um, yeah, I don't know how Fizz is going to create these steady lineups with this depth of bench you know to me to me by the way i think trier is best when no one else can put the ball in the hoop and the knicks are down and he feels that confidence that he he can t- he can sort of take over you know right he's like kind of like a call to the guilty kind of like a call to the bullpen right he's like this is why i'm in here no one else can fucking buy a basket i'm here to iso and to shoot and to score and, you know, we're down, so we, I've got nothing to essentially lose. That's, look, that that's cool, right? And, I mean, and that's, that's, that's great if he could do something like that. But if you put yourself in his shoes, let's say that that was your, your job, your mission, and, the, and, and you, you saw, okay, look, the team actually believes in me that I'm the one that they need to put points on the board. And then you do, and you come through, and you do that. But that continues to be your role. Wouldn't you get kind of pissed off? That it's like you're not being rewarded for that, and you're like, why aren't you in there, like all the time? Then, if you're consistently going to do that, and you you show that you consistently do that, you know what that's like, Barry. Go ahead. That's like a guy who goes out with his friends one night, trying to pick up girls all night. He's getting denied all night. Comes home with nothing, and then as a last resort, calls some guaranteed booty call. All right, that's a whole, you know. (laughs) Fizdale let everyone else fucking play. Everyone got their opportunities to try and score. No one can do it. So in the in the third quarter, he's like, okay, Alonzo, come on in. 
try to bail us out of this because I know you're easy buckets, all right? I'm not going to let you start. I'm not going to let you play most of the game. But when we're desperate and we have nowhere else to turn, we'll give you the ball. That's right. That's what it's like. Fizdale, you go drop it in there. The end of the game, drop a couple hundred on the the dresser for you. If I was Alonzo, I'd feel used. A little used. Yeah. It's disgusting. (laughs) Voicemails, Barry. Let's do it. Okay. We got a couple here. It's not just voicemails about crumb cake Craig. All right? Okay. Because that was weird. This one, that was weird. Hey, guys. This is uh, Philip from Rochester, New York. Uh, I've got a question for you. Um, Do you think these players that the front office brought in for this season on these one-year contracts are really going to add to the young players that we have, or are they going to try to go for themselves so they could uh, get their contract for next year and and the year after? Uh, I think the the answer is pretty obvious, but I want to see what you guys think about that. Um, these players really adding, trying to grow our young players, or are they really out for themselves, trying to make themselves look good, and in turn hurting the team? So thank you very much. Uh, it's a hard next life. It is a hard next life. Barry, yes. what are your thoughts on that? Or would you like me to go first? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll lead the way. We could go we could go one by one if you want. Yeah, Marcus Morris, yeah. It seems like he's going to play for himself, unfortunately. But you hope that his toughness his intensity is going to rub off on the other guys but yeah i mean if you're a team that's not playing for a playoff spot and you know these games you you know you, the, the loss column is just building up and you're you're getting three losses and you're getting a win you're getting three losses and you're getting a win it's tough for these players to buy into some type of system knowing that they don't know what's in their future after this year do they want to stay on a losing team or do they want to try to build their own value up so that maybe they can get traded to a contender? These guys want to win. They want to play playoff basketball. They want to ring at some point. And if they can't see it in their future, you know, it's tough to get them to buy in. And that, that's what you're dealing with. Listen, we're essentially talking about Alfred Payton, Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis, and Marcus Morris, right? Okay. That's who yeah. we're talking about. Yes. You know, I mean... These young, it's going to benefit these young kids by just playing around real fucking basketball players, all right? Even if it is just for a year. Even if these guys eventually do look out for themselves, right? We can't have Kevin Knox and Julius Randle just playing alongside players like Luke Cornette every game and G League level players. They're going to get better just by practicing with these fucking guys. A quick thing about Luke Cornette. Uh, I don't know where I read it. Somebody said they overheard like one of the Chicago Bulls players going over to Luke Cornette and said something Saying like, this was hey, his revenge game? <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Before the game. Right. Before the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the other thing is would we have wanted to sign these players to long-term deals to avoid the whole one-year contract so they're not playing for anything we didn't want to sign there were no players out there we want to sign long term and if we had signed guys long term people would be bitching about oh totally i mean this was the move look they're in a no-win situation here that's the risk that you take but that that was the move and and look a guy like alfred payton i don't think he's going to be playing for his next contract i think he is a team guy because i don't think he knows any other way to play 
I mean, unfortunately, we saw a couple of times he he made a move and he got close to the basket and it, and and he missed, you know, a couple of layups. But that look, that's going to happen. Like I said, it's not going to hurt you that much because I don't think he's going to, you know, he's not going to put up double digit attempts a game, you know. But he will get you assists. So yeah, I think Alfred Payton is a good guy. I think Taj Gibson is They're a real good. a real They're team player. Guys. You know, Randall. Look, Randall's going to have a breakout game one of these games where he's going to go off. He's going to be feeling it. He's going to have a game, you know, kind of similar to Bobby Portis where he can't miss. Um, you know, we haven't seen it yet, but it's going to be there. Um, I mean, he had a great game in the first game of the season, Barry. He did. He great. did. But he's, but he's not the savior. You know, the savior isn't here yet. Maybe RJ will be one day. You know, the, 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 the it's early for him. I'll tell you what. A lot of people are down on Randall, but I... I still like him. I love having him on the team. I, I Late in games, I know he's been turning the ball over a lot. But he can really, if he can figure that out, he gets into the lane. He just plows his way into the lane easily. Right, right. And that's he's a great gotta... thing to have late in games. To be able to get within a few feet of the basket when you need points. Yeah. To draw a foul or whatever is huge. Look, there's a couple of things that has to happen. He's got to recognize when there's two guys dropping down on him. Two, three, four. They all drop oh, down. Oh, they all him. drop down. He's got to kick that ball out. And he you know, did look, one on one, one on one, you take him. You know, t- 10 times out of 10 times, you take him in the post. But, but as soon as you start to make a move, or as soon as you draw in further into the lane and somebody collapses on you, you got to kick the ball out. Secondly, if you keep, unfortunately, if you keep playing Mitch alongside of him, it's just going to keep clogging up the lane. You know, I I don't know what Randall's take is on on playing the five. You know, a little bit more, but I mean, you got to do something. Well, he has to he's space played it out. plenty of the five in his career. Yeah, well, they got to start doing that a little bit more. I mean, we want to start Mitch, we want to start Randall, but you got to understand, you know, that that that's only going to clog up the middle. Well, right? that's what made that combination of Randall and Portis so great. Yes, because Portis was able was, to step out. Yep, totally. And, and everyone, Portis, essentially, everyone was able to step out, and and Randall could just get into the lane and and kick it out. Yeah, which was yeah. great. Yeah, and last year Portis averaged like thirty nine percent from behind the arc, so Here, he's got the shot there. Here we go, dude. James from Queens. Oh, it's been a long time. Hey, what's My up, favorite. Craig Barry. This is James from Queens over here. Just wanted to know. What do you guys see having the biggest change during the season? Do you see Frank's playing time getting better? Maybe Randall's ISO stopping? Maybe Morris's dumb text? Or maybe Fizdale becomes an actual competent coach? What do you guys think? What does he want to know? What's more likely for so, us? So, yeah, yeah, I missed the third thing. The first thing was, uh, does Randall... Get less ISO heavy, which I don't think is going to happen. Does Frank get more minutes? I think will happen. I missed what he said about Morris, and then the I did fourth too. thing was Hold about. Hold on, let's let's hear that again. All right. Maybe Morris's dumb texts. Oh, all right, I got it. Morris's dumb texts. Is he sending out dumb foul. text Tech, messages? Oh, text, text, text. Okay. Um, no, I think Morris is going to continue to get texts. I think uh, Randall's going to be ISO heavy. Um, Although I'd love to see him, uh, you know, like like we already talked about, pass the ball more. Um, I think Frank will get more minutes. Do I think Fizdale will be more competent? I do. I think he's gonna. I think. Look, I think he's a smart guy. I think he's. A, I think he's, there's a good coach in there. I, again, it's it, it's tough to tell because of the 
the, the team he has. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I mean, I, this seems like a multiple choice thing, so I'm gonna go with Frank getting more minutes, dude. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this does gonna become a more confident coach. It's either that or Randall's gonna fix the whole ISO ball thing. He started to do it at the end of last game. I think Fizz, somebody said recently that Randall's intentions are good. He does seem like a great team guy. He seems he seems like upset all the time. He's Julius intense, Randall. which is fucking great. That's another good. thing these players will benefit from is other the, the young players will benefit from players who actually show some emotion and care out there. Yeah, they give a shit. It's not just like, all right, we lost again. Whatever. Right. Randall's right. pissed. He's yelling at fucking Keith Smart on the bench, and Keith Smart's <laughs> yelling at him. Morris is flipping out. Barrett looks like he wants to fucking kill everybody. This is great. And Mitchell Robinson, we know he's got that intensity in him. Knox. Guys like Knox and Frank. Like this, they really need this. Yeah, th this game against Orlando, the more I think about it, is a really big game. I mean, it's a winnable game, still against a team that's a little bit better than you, right? Um, it's an Eastern Conference team. Um, they're what? They're they're one and two, you know. Um, so similar boat that you're in. You know they're going to be looking at you as your beatable team. You know you're in their building. This is a big game coming off your first win with all the energy and the hype that you have. Can you take that with you on the road and get a win? This is this is a big game. It's it's going to be a big win for them if they win this game. I mean it could really change the momentum where this team is going again it's not going to propel them don't 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 think i'm getting um my thoughts convoluted or or, or that i'm getting misguided here it's not going to turn into a playoff team but we want this team to be at least a team that's going to double their wins from last year right it Can is all agree it, on that? it's hugely important for totally. such an early season game yeah this the nba season can get away from you really really fast yeah and, and we know that before yeah. you know it there's almost no point to fucking play, all right? That's right. So for them to go, there's a big difference between starting off one and four and two and three with a two-game winning streak. Yeah. If they if they win two games in a row, you're you're right there at 500. It's totally different mindset. The confidence is building. These guys need it, especially how fast this New York crowd can turn on you. Yeah. And then you're gonna go into Boston. And I mean, yeah, you got you got blown out, but you had a great first half against Boston. You were right where with them that first. You were right there with them. That's that that's that's after the match we played Boston again. Yeah, yeah. That's so awesome. you got Orlando on Wednesday, Boston on Friday, and then you play a, a disappointing Sacramento team on Sunday. I I mean, you you got to go for two of these three wins here. All right, Barry. The music is playing. That's the end of the fucking show. All right. You get two out of three of these wins. That puts you at what? Three and four? Three and four. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They're one and three right now. Yep. They win one. That's two and three. Lose one. Two and four. Win another one. Three and four. Yeah. Three and four. There you go. It's a hard Nick's life at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at hard Nick's life. Follow Barry at his new Twitter name at nope. killer B. <laughs> nope. Now, at Barry Dworkin, you can call us. Please call us. Leave us a message. Tell us five one. Feeling. That's right. Five one six thirty three mesh one. Phone lines are open all the time. It goes directly to voicemail. That's five. Barry loves saying the letters mesh one, but I'm still convinced that nobody really knows what to do with that. So that's yeah, but five, even, one, on a, six. even on an iPhone, it still tells you the letters. That's right? a lot of the work number? to ask our fans to do. I think 
No, they're Knicks fans. They're smart. Five, are they? 516-336-3741. Get some fucking crumb cakes, guys. Leave us some reviews on iTunes. We got a few this week. Very happy to see that. Keep them coming. There's way fucking more of you who listen to this show than the number of reviews we have. True. So just fucking do it. What's... <laughs> I don't... Barry, what the fuck is going on? Maybe we got to ask for the reviews up front. Maybe we got to do it at the front of the show. Maybe no one makes it to the back end. Maybe they don't. They hear the music on? playing. They fucking click it off and they're like, peace out. This is my, my favorite part is the end. Sometimes that's why it goes on. I forever. love I love the music behind us. <laughs> yeah, I and you it. don't even I wish you don't even sometimes, hear it going. You don't even hear it going on right now. <laughs> right. Sometimes I wish that we could have the music going through the whole podcast. All right, this I, this is turning into one of these where the music plays for eight minutes. So, right, guys, it is a hard Nick's life. Let's get a couple of wins. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.